the future of selling is when buyer intent meets seller relevance and the matchmaking is done by the technology so that the humans can just have good high value conversations where there's a very high probability that something will happen at the end of that conversation. Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. So excited to have you here. You're going to learn three key things from the guests today. One is the two elements for you to be very successful in B2B sales, not just now, but in the future. The second is how to use trigger events to convert more sales. And they talk about the 3% versus the 40, really intriguing. And the last one is the essential tech stack that you need to be in the blue ocean, not the red ocean of B2B sales at the moment. And if you love the podcast, why not subscribe if you're a first-time listener? And if you're a regular, always love those reviews. Now, I take lots of notes. I look down. And if you take notes, that's great. But there's also going to be an excellent summary on whatever app you're listening to on now. And also, you can get the full transcription at paulhigginsmentoring.com. So today's guest has 35 years of sales experience, mainly in the cloud and technology space. They've written three best-selling books, and their latest is Tech-Powered Sales. They've taught in three universities where they give back, but they also stay current with what's happening in the world. They were voted the number one sales blogger on the planet and also in the top three sales experts on LinkedIn. And let's face it, there's, what, 900,000 users or something? So that's uh, it's amazing what they've achieved, and they share openly here on this podcast. And some of their clients where they're learning and on the cutting edge is Salesforce, IBM, SAP, Flight Center, Adobe, DocuSign, just to mention a few. So you're going to absolutely love this interview with Tony, and it's Tony Hughes from Sales IQ Global. Welcome, Tony. Great to have you on the podcast, finally. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me as a guest. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, look, I've been following you and your content for so long. It's brilliant what you give to the world. And uh, I want to sort of dive in more specifically today around our audience, which uh, we both talked about prior to coming on air, which is, you know, the cloud consultants that are, you know, help reselling technology to to make the world a better place. And uh, why don't we just kick off, and I'll probably let the cat out of the bag there a little bit, why don't you say who your ideal client is? Well, my ideal client and everybody listening to this should adopt the same definition is someone that fits my ideal customer profile. So it's really important for all of us, especially if you're doing consulting or selling in the software as a service industry, that you recognize that not everybody is a prospect. So we need to think about the attributes of an organization that tend to make them a good fit for us and then make sure that we understand the buyer personas with whom we'll need to engage And then based on that, build a point of view on how those people in their roles can drive improved results. Because unless we open with a strong point of view, we can fall into the trap in selling, which is we we feel like we did this awesome job in moving someone from from non-interest or apathy to a level of interest. But unless it converts to intent to purchase, 
what happens is we end up in the worst situation in sales, which is where they consume our time and resources but don't actually buy. Yes. So think about your ideal customer profile. And for me, in my world, I, I really deal with, uh, with SaaS uh, and technology companies and also professional services firms. Yeah, great, great. And then for those companies, what are some of the biggest problems that you're helping them solve? Well, the number one problem that every company in the world will say that they've got, the biggest problem is not enough consistent opportunity pipeline. We all know that if we can get a qualified prospect, we tend to do a reasonable job in progressing it through to being able to close. Uh, yes, we could improve win rates. Yes, we could reduce churn, improve retention, improve upsell, cross-sell, uh, increase average deal sizes. All of those are important, improve forecasting. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, the thing that makes the sales leader feel like they age a whole year of their life every quarter uh, is when they just don't have enough opportunity pipeline to de-risk the forecast. So consistent self-generation of opportunity pipeline is really the thing I specialise in. Yeah, and I, I know when I was at Coca-Cola, everyone used to say, well, you know, Coke sells itself, right? You don't need, why even have a sales team, right? It just sells itself. And, you know, you guys must have the easiest job in the world. I'm like, no, we've always get it, got to, you know, beat our targets, whether it was like, like 10%, 20% every year, right? And it was, you know, therefore we needed new customers in the door, et cetera. I know you do a lot of work with Salesforce, you know, w you know, why does Salesforce need more leads you know they've obviously got a, a huge market share you know what what are the things that they're working on at the moment to you know get more leads for their salespeople in the door well we're very much in the fourth industrial revolution um and what's happened in the last two years with COVID has been a catalyst to drive the digital first world uh and the reality is is that every business is in a war for market share uh, yes, there's these other sub-wars that go on. There's a, there's a war to attract and retain talent right now. Yeah. Um, but in the world of SaaS, it's never been easier for customers to typically leave. If we think about what the software industry looked like over 20 years ago, it was very much what I called the Hotel California model of business. You know, Clients could feel like they could check out any time, but it was really impossible for them to leave, if you think about the lyrics of the Hotel California song. Yes. Um, but the reality with SaaS is that Clients can start with very little commitment. They can, in essence, do some kind of pilot. They can start to test it, and they, they roll out uh, based on starting to derive value. So the good thing about the software as a service, the SaaS model, is it's a shared risk model for the customer and the seller because the truth is if you sell a very small deal, it's unprofitable for the seller. Now, now the trap here is that the reason that most software implementations fail has got nothing to do with the software product that was selected <laughs> or the methodology being used to implement. Typically, the big reason for failure is the customer themselves. A, a lack of commitment at the executive level to treat it as a change program and drive it effectively. So the problem with SaaS is if a customer starts really small, they're starting with a lack of commitment. So what's critical is that we recognize that the way we open is the single biggest thing that determines the likelihood of winning, but it also sets the tone and agenda for the entire engagement. And what we want to do is we want to open an opportunity by helping to set, in essence, co-create, but turn up with our initial point of view that we start to test with them in a consultative way, a vision for a brighter future that's underpinned by a compelling business case for change. Uh, in, es in essence, we turn up with a point of view on how they can drive important 
meaningful improved results and the entire initiative is self-funded and we know how they can achieve the result in a way that best manages their risk. So I know a lot of the people listening to this are, in essence, consultants, but a consultative approach to selling is key, but we need to be brave and bold, not arrogant, (laughs) but brave and bold and and having a research point of view for how they can drive improved results in their role. The reality is that partners have never been more important because at the end of the day, what the customer is trying to drive is a business outcome. And software can be the enabler of the outcome, but what the customer needs is clarity about the result they're seeking to drive, the underpinning business case that justifies the level of resources, both funding and executive commitment for change internally. Then they need the right strategy to be able to implement that in a way where they get a great post-implementation review and they can present back to their executive team or their board the results that they successfully drove. So we all know that just implementing a piece of software, a piece of technology uh, in of itself doesn't guarantee the right business outcome. I used to be the CEO running Asia-Pacific for a CRM company. Yes. Uh, and at the time I was doing that, there was a report from the Butler Group out of the U- UK that highlighted that 70% of CRM implementations <laughs> fail. And when they dug into why, it was almost never to do with the software product that was selected. It was the customer just being their own worst enemy with a lack of clarity about what's the outcome we're driving, what are the business processes we're seeking to enable, how will this improve customer, employee, partner experience. Uh, You know, they they weren't thinking about those things. They were just thinking, oh, well, you know, we, we probably need a CRM so we can improve the accuracy of our forecast. Well, unless you enable good process, you're never going to capture the accurate data that's going to give you that, you know, that good forecast anyway, unless you use the, the software or the platform to drive good discipline process, a buying process that's aligned with the, the sorry, a seller's process that's aligned with the buyer's journey. Yes. Unless you do that well, you're not going to increase close rates anyway. Uh, so I, so I, I think partners are essential because they bring the level of consultative domain expertise beyond product. Yeah, look, and you know, we certainly had that experience. You know, at Coke, we had 152 different sales, sales CRMs around the world, right? So it was, like you said, it was wow. never the sales CRM. It was the way it was implemented. And um, and also when we ran our own tech consulting business or cloud consulting business, the, the, the same thing. And, uh, and I must admit, like at Coke, right, it's sugar and water. So you had to really understand what was the motivation, the drivers, right? Whereas what I found with a lot of cloud companies, which is a similar model, right? Franchise or franchisee. The Coke's been doing it for 150 years that way. So I was very familiar when I moved across. But often people get caught in features, right? It's like here's all these features and talk too much about the product and not the actual the result. And I'm seeing a really good uh, change in that. Um, for you, you know, you talked about um, the the success of a partner understanding that broader aspect, you know. So at the moment, what what are you seeing people doing differently in that space? Like who are the guys that are really doing well versus the ones that, you know, still haven't got to where the the, the pointy end is? Well, in 2022, when we we're recording this, uh, absolutely the big trend in the in the world of software is is a product-led strategy. So you want to make it possible for people to evaluate, start to use these sort of freemium business models, but let the experience people have in engaging with you and your product be the thing that does the lion's share of the selling. 
and I talk in my new book, Tech Powered Sales, about the importance for everybody in selling and business to become a little cyborg. <laughs> so, we, so we have to work out how do we take the best of technology and outsource to our tech stack uh, all of the things that we can automate. We can talk about that a little later. Yeah. But then inject humans into the process at exactly the right inflection points. So there's things that technology will never do well uh, that that humans do excel in. So what you're just looking to do is to create an incredible experience. Um, all of the research in the last 15, 20 years has shown that the biggest point of difference in the world of B2B selling, once someone gets to a shortlist, the thing that determines the winner is the one who provides the best engagement experience for the customer. It's not product capability. It's not brand. It's not price. It's that engagement experience. And when the research is delved deeper, you know, as to what does that engagement experience really mean, it's the fact that the seller helps to reframe the thinking of the customer. Yeah. They start to educate uh, and make them aware of the real issues and opportunities where they could go further uh, in driving benefits or results, where their real risks are and how they can manage those risks, uh, how they can you know, build their business case to secure the resources they need. The worst thing in the world of tech is for someone to uh, initiate a project and it's underfunded. It's just a disaster for everybody. Yes, yes. And I think that stakeholder buy-in that you spoke about before and, um, and you know, you you know, AI is often talked about in sales and, you know, it was sort of, in, to my view, it was sort of over-promised, under-delivered. But where do you see it, where it's at now and where do you see it going in the future to make it easier for whether it's an SDR or a cloud consulting partner to actually have the information at their fingertips to be more valuable to the client? Well, Paul, maybe to contextualise this because people... Uh, can be a little cynical uh, and maybe have a lot of apathy when it comes to tech disrupting their role. I know so many sellers that just feel like they're immune from tech-driven or bot-driven disruption. But if we look at every other white-collar profession in the world, we know it's happened to manufacturing, agricultural, um, blue-collar trades things like truck driving, mining, yeah. manufacturing, you know, all of these uh, um, professions or jobs, uh, livelihoods have been disrupted by tech. And we can't all work in tourism, uh, you know, and cafes. <laughs> it was the reality. Yes. Um, but when you look at white-collar professions, things like law, accounting, uh, aviation, um, soldiering, you know, even the way that the, that the military is run, just far less people. You know, if you look at a law firm, they used to have lots of people that would, that would, uh, if there's a merger or acquisition happening, they go and do all the due diligence on the contracts. Well, now all of these, all of these contracts have already been digitized and they feed them through algorithms that identify contingent risks and liabilities, uh, you know, any of the things that need to go into a risk register. So just far less people. And with disruption, what happens uh, is that it happens slowly, slowly slowly, and then there's a tipping point and it happens suddenly. Yes. Uh, and for those that are sceptical, it was back in 1997. You know, that was quarter of a decade ago that IBM Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov at chess, and that was just brute what-if analysis. Yes. But then about a decade ago in 2011, uh, if you haven't ever seen this online, just look, at it, just look it up on YouTube, IBM Watson wins Jeopardy. 
Uh, and IBM Watson at that time was the size of sort of a bedroom, <laughs> say a, a, a kid's bedroom, disconnected from the internet, but there was no Jeopardy champion on the face of the planet that had any chance of beating Watson. And that's natural language, abstract contextualization. Now, now Watson's the size of a big pizza box, right, is the way that the tech goes. It was only five years ago that Google DeepMind, um, AlphaGo, beat Lee Sedal. He, he was the 18 times world champion uh, of Go. It's a Chinese game that's been around for thousands of years. And there are more potential moves in one game of AlphaGo than there are atoms in the universe. Now, I know that sounds insane. Yeah. Like, how could that even be possible? Yes. But um, AlphaGo beat him 4-1. Uh, and there was a thing called, uh, uh, I think it was Move 37, where AlphaGo did a move that there was only a 1 in 10,000 uh, probability that a human would have done it. It taught itself to play the game. And if you really want to have your mind blown, back in 2018, so four years ago as we record this, Google Duplex live on stage was phoning human beings and the human beings on the other end of the call had no idea they were talking to a computer. And these were complex. These were complex interactions where they were trying to book appointments for clients, where there were language issues and complexity. Um, so it passed the Turing test. So for those that are skeptical about tech, and the interesting thing is, uh, Alpha, uh, sorry, Google Duplex went dead silent, silent after 2018. This have been amazing developments that they're not talking about. Um, but if, if all you do is help someone purchase what they believe is a commodity, or if all you really do is provide a relationship, you're in deep trouble in selling, in yes. deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, because as you said, you know, one of the other things is just getting good staff, right? And I think most, you know, I certainly felt this way, but most cloud partners are doing their own selling. Like they're the person that's closing the sales, right? And, you know, that they're looking for an SDR. They're looking for people to do the pre-qualification, maybe the demos, et cetera. Like will there be a point where that will be replaced by a, yeah. um, you know, some form of AI or supported or is it always going to be that it's sort of the you know, the swan where the AI does all the work under the water, but the human yeah. still does the work above it. Where, where do you sort of see it going? Well, all of us need to take personal ownership for creating opportunity pipeline. I'm working with one of the world's leading accounting and financial consulting firms uh, where all of their partners recognise that they also need to sell, right? So it's just a basic thing of being in business. But could the concept of SDRX machina actually happen? And the, and the answer is yes, because the thing I say uh, in my latest book, Tech Powered Sales, is that the future of selling is when buyer intent meets seller relevance. Yes. And the matchmaking is done by the technology so that the humans can just have good high value conversations where there's a very high probability that something will happen at the end of that conversation. And that's where having clarity about our ideal customer profile, you know, that first question you asked me today. So we need to be very clear about our ideal customer profile and know what all those attributes are. If you're in the SaaS space where you're selling tech, well, you want to know, well, what does the tech stack look like at my ideal customer profile organization? Yes. So are there certain competitors that I'm great at replacing? Is there certain tech that we complement really well? Are there other technologies that indicate 
a propensity to invest in transformation. Um, so, so that'll start to show the sort of mindsets. When we think about ICP, Auto Customer Profile, we're thinking about the firmographics, the technographics and the psychographics of, of that organisation. And then what we layer on to that is the concept of trigger events. So we know, for example, that when a, a senior, a new senior person is appointed into a role, they've typically got a three to five month window where their boss will back them with most things they ask for. And senior people are typically hired to affect change. So if, for example, you sold CRM software, we used that example earlier today, well, a new head of sales joining the organization where they're using, for example, a competitor's CRM uh, product, for example, that doesn't scale very well. And let's say there's two trigger events that have happened. They've just done, a say, a Series D capital raise, yes. and they've hired a new head of sales, and they're using a CRM product that was maybe cheap and easy when they were bootstrapping the business, but now that that product doesn't scale particularly well, you go, wow, this is an organization in my ICP, their growth, <laughs> they're in my industry vertical, a trigger event's happened of a capital raise, that typically means much higher expectations for predictable growth from investors and board. They've just hired a new head of sales. They're hired to affect change. They'll want to drive good disciplined process in the organization and bring sales, marketing, service, and support together. So there's very high, high, high propensity. Now, the problem with a lot of the technologies that are out there that allegedly capture buyer sentiment is a lot of it's very late. Yes, and yes. you turn up to this red ocean shark feeding frenzy where all of your competitors are circling the prospect as well. Yes. So strategic selling by definition is engage early at senior levels, co-create that vision, co-create the business case that, that underpins the investment, and in doing so, help them build consensus, manage their risks. But you set, you set a bias toward you, your strengths in their best interests, Yes. Um, but that's what strategic selling is. You want to get in early. So buyer sentiment tools tend to identify opportunity late. Yeah, and I, I know that you're involved in uh, one that's been on the program. They're actually a sponsor of ah, my podcast trigger. as well, which is yes. Trigger. Trigger yeah. Trigger without the E, yeah. uh, .io, and they're, they're a fantastic example of that. And, you know, I, I do think for, you know, especially – you know, cloud consultants, like you said, if you've got a, a complementary product, I think it's a great way of seeing if they've got it. So the information, effectively what they do is just you know, scan the world for public information and they bring it to your fingertips, right? You could always find it, but it might take you 10 years. Wouldn't it be great if you found it in a second? So that's yeah. what, and I think that's where, yes, because, you know, let's, you've all heard the saying that, you know, 3% of buyers are ready to buy at any time, right? Wouldn't it be great if you can spend 80% of your time on the 3%? rather than what most of us do, especially yeah. with LinkedIn, you know, sort of hit and pray uh, so you can get a lot more targeted. And just on that, on LinkedIn and social selling, what do you see coming up with social selling and, and LinkedIn? Because, you know, a lot of people are saying it's becoming very spammy, it's overpopulated. Some people say the opportunity is still enormous. Like how do you see technology and social selling working together to help someone like a cloud partner? Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I'll just back up a little bit first, yeah. if that's okay. Though I I I, uh, I agree with your stat about the fact that three percent at any given point in time is is looking for what we do. The other interesting stat is that forty percent of the market is open to change. <laughs> so if you think about ICP and buyer persona, that'll help you target you know the forty three percent, not just the three. 
and enable you to engage early. Um, yeah, and 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 with Trigger.ai, um, you know, that's in essence what they do. They run headless browser technology. They go and sniffs websites in the internet to try and figure out the tech stack to monitor for things like capital raises for hiring particular roles and then serve that to you in a lead funnel. It's really important. So let, let's talk about um, social selling. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't want to be negative. I'm a, I'm a fan of social selling. I run a course and a program on social selling. I became the most read person in the world on LinkedIn on the topic of business-to-business selling. Yes. Uh, LinkedIn ranked me the third most influential person in the entire world out of their you know, 800 million members uh, on the topic of selling. I've got um, 340,000 followers uh, inside LinkedIn. I have more leads coming to me than I can cope with. I give business away. So I'm a fan of LinkedIn and social selling, but uh, it is perceived as a noisy, spammy platform by many buyers today uh, as the demand, as the domain of recruiters and uh, salespeople um, sort of just bombarding people. So it's really important that we nail our narrative, that we have the right message about their opportunity to drive improved results, not about what we do. Because if you talk about what it is that you do, you'll only appeal maybe to the 3%. (laughs) If you can talk about their opportunity to drive improved results in their role, you'll appeal to the 43% that are open to change. So the reason it's so important to sort out your own LinkedIn profile, uh, show a genuine insight Uh, show that you're very consultative in what you do. The reason that's so important in LinkedIn is if you run outreach to anybody and they're thinking about engaging with you, 75% of the time in that situation, they will look at your LinkedIn profile. And what you don't want is them seeing someone they think is trying to sell them something. You want them seeing someone who's got a worthwhile point of view, an intriguing point of view that's relevant to them in their role. So you want them to really lean into the conversation you're trying to build. Because here's the reality. <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to sell and build relationships. Well, the people that don't yet know us, they are not lonely and bored looking for another friend from Vendorland. They don't, <laughs> they don't lie awake at night thinking, gee, I've got a slow day tomorrow. Uh, I really hope a salesperson gives me a call to sort of help me while away sort of 45 minutes of the day because uh, I'm going to be a bit bored. They're busy, they're stressed, they're feeling fatigued with all of this always-on um, workplace culture that's happened as a, as a result of what's gone on with COVID. Um, they're just not looking for more tech in their life. They're not looking for another change management program. They're not looking to take on more work and risk. Yes. But if you talk about those things, you're starting the wrong way. Yes, yes. You know, talk about their opportunity to drive an improved result. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant way of looking at it. And, you know, like you talked before, Red Ocean, Blue Ocean, and there's just so many people in that Red Ocean space at the moment. And, look, I haven't been a director of a company. You know, I was director of Coca-Cola. I haven't done it for 10 years, but I'm assuming you know, back then it was it was crazy enough without COVID and, like you said, everything that's happening uh, today. So, And the proliferation of communication has uh, never been greater. So uh, you're right. Um, I think that – and that's where you can combine the tools. Speaking of tools, right, so what are some of the tech stack that you think we might have missed um, in actually, you know, progressing and being a better sales salesperson in a B2B, you know, cloud space? Well, um, let, let me go through the essential stack. And, and, and in tech-powered sales, we talk about the essential stack 
and the advanced stack. And we don't have time to go through all of that. So I'll just give you some of the basics. Obviously, 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 everybody needs a CRM system, right? You, you need a single source of truth about your prospects and customers so you can best manage life cycle and those interactions. It's just critical. Um, but most people don't use this CRM system at all well. So one of the things to talk about in the book is we need TQ, technical quotient today. Yes. So you need to think about how do I actually embrace my CRM and use it to improve my productivity to enable my process for me. So CRM is fundamental. Obviously, you need a smartphone. That's an obvious one, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you then need LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Yeah. Uh, now, not because you want to bombard the world with outreach. You know, LinkedIn is one of the channels. We actually need to get back on the phone is the reality. My previous book, Combo Prospecting, was all about pattern interrupting the way that potential buyers are wired to ignore uh, sales and marketing content being pushed at them yes. right? or to ignore anyone who's a stranger. Yes. So what we know is, is, a, is an introduction from a trusted common relationship yeah. uh, and trigger events. Those two things together are the, are the X factor in selling because you begin with a level of trust and you begin with context. Relationships yeah. begin with trust, trigger events give you context. So uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a really good research platform really good research platform. The thing you want to layer on onto those things is sales intelligence tools. And, and I'm a huge fan of Trigger. I'm actually an investor in Trigger. I'm on their advisory board. I'll just declare that. Yeah. Uh, but Trigger.ai, so that's Trigger without the E.ai, uh, what they do is they uh, work with your ICP, your buyer persona, and they serve they serve up to you basically lead funnels. Now, not a lead in the sense that someone's expressed interest, but a lead funnel in that, hey, you should absolutely proactively run outreach at these people because they're relevant to you. They're absolutely relevant to you. So you get much higher um, productivity from people when you do that. Yes. Um, the, the, the last bit of tech I'll talk about, there's lots of tech, there's huge amounts of tech. Yes. There's this Cambrian explosion of sales tech. Um, but the last one I'll talk about is sales engagement platforms, uh, yes, what we yes. call SEP. So uh, you might be familiar with Outreach.io or SalesLoft. If you're a Salesforce customer, they've got a capability in the platform. If you're on the Lightning version uh, called HVS, uh, High Velocity Selling or High Velocity Sales, yes. that's their sales engagement platform, their SEP capability. But what SEPs do is they basically automate uh, you're outbound. So they'll they'll mail merge, they'll inject personalization into messaging so you can create your outreach sequences, which can include the phone, and it should include the phone. Yes. <laughs> but, you, but you build your outreach, outreach sequences and it's, it automates it for you. Uh, so it really starts to drive the right cadence uh, and level of activity with effective sequences. Um, so there's there's lots of other tech, you know, that we could talk about, um, but they're probably the important ones. Yeah, Brian. And like you said, you mentioned a lot more in your book. So uh, we'll have all the links to Tony's book. But uh, what we're going to do now is ask you some questions on the sales deep dive. And then I'd love yeah. to have you back again to talk in a little bit more detail about the technology. But the first one is, you know, what are some sales habits for you that you do every day? Okay, so, so the things that can get us and kill us, <laughs> destroy us, are the things we don't notice. Uh, and it's our habits that end up becoming the thing that underpins our success yeah. or undermines us. So we need the daily habit, the daily habit of creating opportunity pipeline 
and of making sure we're progressing the opportunities that we've got. We want to avoid just, you know, continuations. We want progression. So every day, what am I doing to create opportunity pipeline? What am I doing to progress my opportunities? Uh, They're the two most important things we must do every day. And no matter how busy you get in delivering a project, responding to a tender, dealing with issues, do not allow yourself to believe the lie that you're too busy to do prospecting. Prospecting needs to be a daily habit. It's the only thing that smooths out the peaks and troughs of revenue and creates predictability and reduces that stress. Brilliant. And I know you've given us lots of great technology, but what's something you haven't mentioned at the moment that you use to help you uh, get more sales? Well, the reality for me is I've got more business coming to me than than I can cope with um, yeah. because I've, I've done the work of building personal brand. Um, uh, but I, I would just say consistent daily outreach uh, targeting your ideal customer profile on those buyer personas and just make sure you've nailed the message. Yeah, and like you said, Sales Navigator is a great place to to do that. And uh, what's the, you know, you've talked about the best source of leads, which is building that brand. If, if, if I'm, you know, what I'm always talking about cloud consultants is you need to be an authority, right? And you need to be authority in the space and the niche that you pick, which you've also talked about with having your yeah. ideal client. Um, you know, if someone's listening to this at the moment and they're like, well, what's the first step, Tony? You know, you, you talked about, you know, 75% of people go to your LinkedIn profile. You know, do I start there or what do I do to start to become more of an authority in, in my space? Well, the best source of leads is without doubt your existing customers. Yeah. Um, if you think about this concept of trigger events, anytime a client of yours expresses happiness Treat that as a trigger event. Think that's a trigger event for me to ask for a referral. Now, never use the R word, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like having commissioned breath. It's like you've been munching an onion, right? It just repulses people. <laughs> oh, you're going to yeah. phone my people and try and people I know and try and sell to them. Yeah. So you don't ask for a referral. What you say is, "Hey, Mike, thank thank you so much. You know, we love working on the project. Hey, who else do you know in your own network that's been struggling with the same things? I would I would love to share with them." what you've been able to do, right? So you're heroing our customer rather than us. Just simply say, who else, who do you know in your own network that's been struggling with these same things? Would love to share with them what you've been able to do, right? So ask for a referral because it starts with a level of trust. It starts with a level of trust. So so that's, that's the best source of leads and then trigger events because the big trap in sales is that we create interest, but the interest doesn't convert into an intent to change, right? It's not enough to get people interested. They have to get committed to change. So what are the things that happen in the world of customers that create awareness of need, awareness of opportunity? And uh, if anyone wants to go to the the trigger.ai website under resources, there's a webinar that we've done with Trigger around, around trigger events, but there's also a link to a free section of the Tech Powered Sales book on trigger events. If you just want to read just the chapter in Tech Powered Sales about trigger events, it's on the Trigger website for free. Brilliant, Brandon. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And the last one's a big one, right? But what's one thing that we can take from today to 10x our sales? Focus your energy around ideal customer profile and take the time to truly understand the buyer personas to whom you sell, how they're measured in their role, 
and build a narrative, right? Build a conversation narrative that is in essence a point of view with some humility, but researched on how they can drive improved results in their role. Because that that opens the right way. Opening is the new closing. The way you open is what determines everything else that follows. So my recommendation would be to really focus on the pointy end of what you're trying to do with business development because it'll stop you spinning your wheels and wasting a lot of time. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant advice, Tony. So as I said, uh, Tony's got the book, Tech Powered Sales, and you can get it in a couple of ways. You can go to tonyhughes.com.au forward slash techpowered-sales. So we'll have the link in the show notes. So whatever you're listening to at the moment, you'll be able to uh, easily find that. And also you can go to salesiqglobal.com and also find not just the book, but also the other things that Tony's done. You can hear from his experience that, you know, he's at the very pointy end, right? And that's what I love about bringing guests like Tony on is that you can get all the benefit of his experience into, you know, a 30-minute snapshot. And uh, as he said, the interest is there. Now also follow up. So if you want to learn more about Tony, follow up, go and uh, look at those resources. But Tony, absolutely wonderful having you on the show today. Thanks, Paul. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Really love that interview with Tony, and I hope you did as well. And we will get him back. One of the ways to get him back is why not post on your socials what you learned from this podcast. So just use the, whether it's the pick of uh, the podcast itself whatever you want to use, but why don't you shout out to him and I thank him, but also say, hey, I think we'd love to have you back. And I really enjoyed how he spoke about the trigger event. So you can find out more, as he said, at trigger without the E dot AI. We'll have all the links in that and also a link to his book as well, Tech Powered Sales, which I thoroughly enjoyed learning from and have implemented some things. So as I said, please share on your your um socials it'd be great linkedin i know that he's got lots and lots of followers so it'd be a good idea to reach out to tony there and also you can get the the summary of the notes in the app that you're listening the full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com and share it with other people right be that rock star to them so whether it's one ten or a hundred people that you know that are doing b2b sales they're cloud consultants they want some help why not share this with them and the final thing is why don't you take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.